You're listening to Pastor Greg Voorhees, recorded at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, April 16, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or find them on all things social, at svbcfamily. I was up here fiddling around my computer. I can't find my power cord, so I was afraid to turn it on too soon, or I wouldn't make it through the sermon. Still not 100% sure I'm going to. <laughs> well, by golly, thanks, thanks for the screens. That's okay. Uh, two last things I didn't think to mention earlier. First of all, thank you. This week I've, I've gotten, gotten cards and stuff over losing my pup. The, uh, your, your thoughts and your cards have meant a lot. Um, Good Friday was, was tough. You, you know, my baby, I had to have her put down. Good Friday, so I left Good Friday service, drove to Manassas where she was at the specialist, and it was kind of a crummy, crummy evening. But I, I appreciate y'all keeping keeping that uh, keeping me uplifted there, and then sending cards. Uh, even more importantly, got some what I perceived as good news today about Sue. Not today, this week. Actually, it was Thursday or Friday. She had her ultrasound. They called and told her it is not her thyroid. That is good. Because if it was her thyroid, the chances that it was cancer was high. It is her, her, her salivary glands, her saliva glands, her spit glands. So kind of where, we, where we're at, and we're, she still has more tests and stuff, uh, Sue started Googling things. The internet is a wonderful thing. You, you know, you can, you can find out so much. If, if, if what is on the internet is accurate, kind of the things they would be looking at now would be, you can actually get stones in your, sal- in your saliva glands. It would actually block them. It, it, they can take those out. You can have tumors. It, but here's, here's, here's the thing that I, I perceive as being really good news. According to the internet, mind you, which usually when it comes to health stuff, it's usually not, it's usually, don't ever diagnose yourself off of the internet, but it does have a lot of good information. Apparently tumors and saliva glands are rarely cancerous. You know, so, so even though in the ugly C word is still on the table where it was, a, a probability is now an, an, an unlikely thing. You know, so that's, that's huge. You know, but she's still, that, that is, I, I mean, that, that makes me super happy. You know, it's it's still making her miserable, and her neck's all swollen up, and some of it was, some of it's her fault. Don't don't tell her I told you this, and maybe hopefully she won't see this. But I did take her to the Reba McIntyre concert on Friday, and she's not supposed to be talking, and she sang through the whole thing, and now she's paying for it. I, I mean, literally, she walked out of there. She's like, I told you, I told you. But that's a rainbow back. I don't care. You're not supposed to be singing. You know, but she, and then even today, she's like all swollen up. She did it to herself. She did it to herself. But, but that's, a, well, not the, not the sickness, but she didn't, yeah. But I didn't tell you all that. Hopefully she didn't listen. And by the way, whoever Coke, I stole the refrigerator. Thank you. I'll, I'll put it back, I swear. All righty. So let's dive into the word. Do you love me? Why, why do we, am I looking at John 21? First of all, if I preach something similar to this before, I'm sorry. Because when I was making the bulletin, the, putting the pictures together, it's like that picture that Greg Olson did, the one that's on the inside, 
I've put that on a bulletin before. So it's like, but I don't remember preaching about this. I went through PowerPoints. I went through the YouTube channel and I don't. So I couldn't find that I've preached this before. So if I did, please just bear with me. But, but it's, uh, I think it might be, I, I talk a lot about this chapter. I talk a lot about this interaction between Peter and Jesus. A, because it's fascinating. But B, because one of my last doctoral papers I had to write before, actually, no, it was after I got my doctor's. When I was working on the phase one of my PhD it, that I was working on, it, it, was a, uh, it was one of the last papers I wrote about. So I don't know if I've preached it. I don't know if I'm thinking about this paper. But, but just bear with me, and may the Lord be glorified. John 21, 1 through 19. I'm not starting there, though. Because an important thing to understand about John chapter 21. Another reason I'm looking at this this week is because these are kind of the events, and I'm probably going to be preaching next week. Along, These are the events that, that, that occurred after the resurrection and before the ascension. So this week and probably next week, we're, we're talking about stuff that happened after Jesus was raised from the dead, but while he was still here, before he ascended into, into the heavens, into the clouds. And this, this was a very important thing. Well, I first want to look at three different passages that have to do with the calling of Peter as a disciple, because each one of these have pieces that play into John 21. It says this in Luke 5, 4 through 6. It says, And when he had finished speaking, let's talk about Jesus. He was talking to a crowd of people. He said to Simon, Put in the deep water, put out in the deep water, and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you said so, I will let down the nets. When he had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So, so picture this for a second. These, these guys had been fishing for a long time. You, you know, for me, fishing is, I don't really care if I catch fish when I fish. You, you, you know, I'm not even really a fisher, fisher guy. I like eating fish. And, and, th- and thankfully, that, you know, sometimes if people in, in the congregation who do fish, if they want to, like, bring me fish that they catch, you know, no hints over in that direction. But the, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, I used to take my girls fishing because they liked fishing. You, you, you know, I'm not. But if I don't catch a fish, I'm fine. These guys were fishermen. This is their livelihood. You, you, know, you know, they were there, and we're going to look at the next passage. The whole reason Simon was there was, was because his brother Andrew was dragging him to see this Jesus guy. You, you know, and have you ever, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had somebody drag you in the church? You know, what, you weren't really that crazy about, you didn't really want to go with somebody drug you in the church. Well, that's kind of that's what was going on with Andrew and, and, and Simon. And, you know, Andrew's like, the Messiah is here. You know, come, come and see. Come on. Come on. Let's go see Jesus. But while, while Jesus was speaking, so we're not really sure exactly, you know, did he meet Jesus beforehand or before the fish? But he did call him master. So he did get that he was somebody important, that this is the guy Andrew was talking about. But they had fished all night long and didn't catch a single thing. He was probably tired. He's probably frustrated. For people who take fishing serious, especially if it's your livelihood, you know, you're probably getting pretty frustrated if you're not catching fish. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's kind of like, well, this doesn't really work in my, 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 when I worked the road, it didn't matter if I caught bad guys, I got 
paid the same either way, so that doesn't really quite apply. But I imagine if you were in a, if, if you were in a job where how much you catch or how much you do depends on whether or not you eat or you get money. I, I mean, I imagine he was pretty frustrated. So Jesus tells him this really kind of crazy thing. Been fishing all day. Hey, go back out a little bit farther. Cast your net again. I would probably have been like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm tired. I smell. I just clean my nets. I just clean my nets. I don't want to get them dirty again. You know, that would be me. He's like, okay, okay, master, because you said, I don't get it. I'm going to do it, though. So they catch so many fish that the nets begin to break. So this, this, is, this is something that's kind of important to look at. We're going to look at two other passages quite, quite quickly. John 1, 41 through 42 says this, The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Caiaphas, which, which when translated is Peter. It's also translated as something else. It means something. What is that? Rock. In fact, we see, we see Paul. You know, when you're reading the writings of Paul, he often calls Peter Caiaphas, you know, when you see in the translations. You know, so the, the, chrono, the, the kind of the chronological thing, how this fits together, don't know if, if, if this was the first time that, you know, if, if he interacted with Jesus before they were fishing or whatever the case may be, Andrew somehow gets, gets Peter there, Simon there, and whether this interaction happened after the fish, which would be my guess, this conversation, he now tells Simon that I'm going to call you Peter. And lastly, Mark 1 through 17, come follow me. Huge. Tuck that one away. Come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Uh, a lot of the versions will say, fishers, make you fishers of men. Now, I could imagine this was quite puzzling. You know, I, we have the benefit of looking back and kind of reading this and, and kind of knowing the end. We kind of understand what this fishers and men or this fishing for people thing is. I would have probably been kind of confused if I was Simon. You're going to have me fish for what? Fish for people? But, but we understand that Peter or Simon, which, which Jesus started calling him Peter, Peter collected fish. That was his job. That was his task. That's what he did. Jesus was saying, that's, that's your old way. Now I want you to follow me, and instead of collecting and gathering fish, you're going to collect and gather people. And it's not going to be collecting fish for the marketplace. Peter would be collecting people for the kingdom of God. So this is what what we like to call the, the calling or the commissioning of Peter. Jesus gave him a job. He, he, he told him, he told him not, I'm changing your name to Peter, which we know is Rock. I want you to follow me, and I'm going to have you collecting and gathering people. So this, this is all, I can't, you know what, I can't even begin to run run my mind through across what was probably running through Peter's mind. 
you know, after seeing the fish thing, he knows there's something to this Jesus guy. And, and we, we know that Jesus says to follow me. And guess what? He did follow him. So we, we know that Peter understood, at least to some extent, that this was likely Messiah. Now we're going to jump forward. And, and I'm not, I, I want to talk shortly about these three times that Peter, that, that Peter denies Jesus. So we're fast-forwarding, I mean, a good bit. We went from the time where Jesus and Simon met. We're skipping through all the stuff till, till we get to Jesus has been arrested and about to be crucified. So now we're, now we're kind of back to next week, or last week, I mean, when we were Good Friday, Easter. Now we're, we're kind of back into that, that place. And after Peter... Had Jesus had been arrested, Peter was asked three different times, you know, you know that Jesus guy, don't you? What was important about this? Peter told Jesus, I will follow you even to death. We saw when Jesus was arrested, he was probably being serious. He took the sword out, you know, tried to kill the, tried to kill the servant of the high priest, sloughed off his ear, and Jesus puts it back on. So after all of this, after Jesus was taken into custody, and this also plays in the stuff we've been talking about for weeks, sometimes when Jesus doesn't fit our expectations, we get disillusioned. Sometimes when Jesus doesn't do what we think that we think he should do, we, we sometimes get disheartened. And I, I would imagine that the same guy that tried to kill the servant is now when a servant girl, we see in John 18, 17, says, you're with that Jesus guy, aren't you? He's like, nope. Not, 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 not me. So mind you, also, Jesus predicted this was going to happen. You, you know, when, when, when Peter was like, I'll follow you even to death, he's like, are you sure, Peter? Are you sure? Because before the, 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 the rooster crows three times, or before the rooster crows, you're going to de deny me three times. Well, time number two. So now we've got a group of people warming themselves by fire. So I, you can almost see... You can almost see these guys on his fire. You know, they're, I'm sure they're these nice hot coals and, and everything. They're trying to warm up. And somebody else, like, well, wait a minute. In John 18, 25, somebody else says, hey, you're with, Je you're with that Jesus guy, aren't you? And what's he say? Mm -mm. Not me. Time number two. So during that same interaction, another servant who was related to the guy that Peter sloughed off his ear, they're like, oh, no, I'm pretty sure you're with that Jesus guy. Mm -mm, not me. And then the rooster crows. What does this denial, this, three, this denying three times, what is so important about this? I would consider this, this is the same guy who was walking on water for a time with Jesus. This is the same guy that was handing out fishes and loaves with, with, with his buddies, where Jesus fed more than 5,000 folks. This is, the same, this is the same Peter who watched Jesus make blind people see, make lame people walk, make deaf people hear. And mind you, because this has just happened after the arrest of Christ, Within the last week, week and a half, he had just seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. So to deny Jesus in this circumstance, 
Actually, even before I get there, if you look at the life of Christ, even though he had the 12 that he loved dearly, and he took them with him everywhere, there were three who were his closest friends. Three. One was John, the one who loves the, let us know he's the disciple that Jesus loved. And to be honest, there's, there's something to that. I would consider John probably his best buddy. He is the only one who was at the foot of the cross. <laughs> John was the only one who didn't deny Christ. He's the only one who didn't get scared and run. He was there in the thick of, and thin of all of this that happened to Jesus. He was there. He was at the foot of the cross. Jesus even gave John charge over his mother to take care of her. That's a good buddy. But one of the other two of the three was this guy, Peter. Jesus was always, Peter was always with him. He was always doing stuff with him. He was, Peter was just, if there was anybody that I would have thought would not have denied Christ, it would have been Peter. Do you realize that sometimes, regardless of how strong your faith is, sometimes you make mistakes? In my opinion, I would consider this a pretty big failure. I would consider this dropping the ball in a major way. Peter understood. He understood that Jesus is the Son of God. He understood that Jesus is Messiah. He might have been disillusioned over the arrest, but he couldn't see the forest for the trees. He, he knew, he knew who Jesus was, but he denied him three times. Huge failure. Big time dropping the ball. So immediately after this, we see the crucifixion played out. Not going to go over that. I've been, I've, I've been talking about the crucifixion for two weeks now. Rough stuff. Tough stuff. Hard stuff. That has already happened. Jesus, at this point, where we're getting ready to go, in John chapter 21, he's already risen. Let me tell you, Jesus is alive. He is. Jesus is risen. But after the resurrection, he had appeared He'd appeared to his disciples a couple times. And now we see in John 21 an interesting, an interesting story here. John 21, 1 through 4. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas also known as Didymus, and Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's what's there's John and James, the sons of thunder, and two other disciples were together. You can tell John, John must not have thought as highly of these guys. They're the two other disciples. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, Well, we'll go with you. I've heard a lot of I've I've heard a lot of theological arguments or discussions over why he said, I'm going fishing. Many people say, well, maybe he just decided that, you know, this is going to be his new path. He was going back to his old ways. I don't think it was even all that. You, you know, they're, they're, they're waiting around for Jesus. And what does a bunch of fishermen want to do? They're going to go fish. 
<laughs> that's what, I, that's, I, I get it. I'm going to go fish. That'd be kind of like, okay, I'm waiting on Jesus, and I'm in the mall. Well, I'm going to go to the candy store. <laughs> that's, that's just what I do. So Simon Peter said, I'm going to go fish. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got in the boat. But that night they caught nothing. This is sounding familiar. Let's think about the commissioning of Peter. They had been fishing and fishing and fishing and got nothing. Now they decided we're going to go fishing. They had went out all night and caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize that it was Jesus. So Jesus is setting the stage here. I put that in there. That's not in the Bible. Jesus is setting the stage here. He's got, he's now has, we're back at the situation where Peter was before. He's out fishing and nothing's happening. He called out to them. This is verse 5 and 7. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Jesus, God is really good at rhetorical questions. He knew they didn't have any fish. Friends, do you not have any fish? Haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat, and, and you will find some. Okay, so he's telling them to cast their nets again. Right side, left side. It, it probably didn't make much sense to them. It doesn't make sense to me. It probably made more sense to them. But when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. I think Jesus is trying to remind Peter of something here. He's trying to remind him of his call. He's trying to remind him of his commissioning. Then the disciple who Jesus loved, which is who? John, said to Peter, It is the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord! He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. Familiar stories. Again, this is me adding it. A miraculous catch of fish and Peter jumping out of boats to go be with Jesus. Again, familiar stories. That's Peter. Peter now. This is, this, is a, this is a Peter now that had to have understood how bad his mistake was. But he's so excited to see Jesus again. He jumps out and he swims. And he goes to Jesus. The other disciples followed him. And I forgot to advance yours. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the full net of fish, and they, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Okay, a fire with burning coals. Mind you, this is early in the morning. Mind you, early in the morning, right by water. What's something that we know to be true almost all the time? Early in the morning, right by water. It's probably chilly. Now we got Jesus here. He's got a coal fire going. He's, he's, he's roasting some fish and some bread. So, so Peter, he's probably really cold now because he just swam. Now here's Jesus. Do you think that maybe he might have even, Jesus might have even been bringing some familiar smells back. Fast, let's, let's fast forward a little bit. When Peter denied Jesus, he was warming himself by a fire. So now Jesus has a fire going, a coal fire, the kind of fire that you warms yourself to. And he's roasting fish. So now not only does he have 
the, the miraculous catch. He's probably stimulating this, 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 this sense of smell and how it's connected to memories. Bringing Peter closer and closer to that time. Bring some fish that you had just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat and dragged the net ashore. Mind you, Jesus already had fish. It was full of large fish, 153. Why 153? I'm sure it means something, or he wouldn't have put it. I have no idea what the 153 fish means. I mean, again, I've seen lots of people argue what the 153 fish means. Nobody knows. But even with so many, the net was not torn. I'm getting ready to get real here. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? You know, again, we're back in the boat. They thought he was a, they, they thought he was a ghost. You know, they weren't sure who he was, but they weren't asking now because they knew it was Jesus. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Fifteen. This is where it really gets real. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Remember back in his commissioning, he, had, he addressed him that same way. Simon, son of John. It was almost, this is almost like a do-over. You know, he wasn't calling him Peter, how we always call him. Simon, son of John, just like he did when he first met him. Do you love me more than these? Here's those scholarly arguments again. Was he talking about more than the fish, more than what he's doing, more than the other disciples? I would kind of lean towards, do you love me more than these other guys? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. This is actually an interesting thing. Feed my lambs. Not only did he not cancel out his commission, he's given him more responsibility now, even after he failed him. Before he was charged with collecting and gathering people for the kingdom of God, now he's saying, take care of them. Take care of them. So he's almost transitioning from like an evangelist role to a pastoral role. Kind of a big thing. Doesn't stop there. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Take care of my sheep. He's reinforcing this pastoral call. There was a third time. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I think some of the versions say Peter was grieved deeply at the third time. Why would the third time grieve Peter deeply? 
He knew what Jesus was doing. You denied me three times. I asked you three times. So now, Jesus had set that stage. Miraculous catch of fish. Coal fire. And Jesus, Peter would have thought, Peter may have even thought, I don't know, you can't, you have to ask Peter when you see him. But Peter may have even thought, well, maybe Jesus doesn't know that I denied him three times. Maybe he doesn't. He was, he was under arrest. They were torturing him. He doesn't know what was going on with me. When Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? It would have been very clear to Peter that Jesus knew. And it grieved him deeply. But he still says, feed my sheep. Sometimes when we drop the ball, even though, and I'll talk about this more, that doesn't change God's plan for you. It doesn't change who you are in Christ. Sometimes our poor decisions do have consequences. And it, I, I think it's by no accident that the only disciple at the foot of the cross is the only one who didn't die a martyr's death. Think about it. We have, we have pretty reliable sources of how everybody else died. John wasn't torn apart by horses. John wasn't sawed in half. John wasn't crucified. John wasn't any of these things. However, this guy, Peter, Jesus' closest inner circle, denied him three times. He continues, Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went out, went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death of, by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, what? Follow me. What was he saying? When you are old, you will stretch out your hands. In his context, in his culture, in his time, stretching out your hands meant crucifixion. So Jesus basically told him, you will be, you will be crucified. Stretching out your hands. You know, we can even kind of put that together a little bit just the way it's worded, you know, stretching out your hands. But that's not even thought. They, they refer to stretching out your hand as being crucifixion. So Jesus says, now let Peter know, I know you denied me three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he's like, he was grieved, Lord, I know. You know all things. You know I love you. So now he's going to up the ante. You will be crucified. But follow me. I'm going to continue forward, but I do want to stop for a quick note about this passage. Whole sermons are built on 
the fact that the first two times, the first two times that Jesus says, do you love me? He says, do you agape? Which the language is, it means it's kind of a godly, higher type love. And the third time he says phileo, John documents phileo, which is kind of seen like a brotherly love. It's like, do you love me like with a godly love? Do you love me with like a godly love? Do you even love me in like a brotherly way? It doesn't hold water. That, that whole idea doesn't hold water. This was about the denials. The three times was about the three denials. The reason I can say that, it doesn't, that there's really nothing to this agape phileo thing is we have to, you have to study the way a writer uses words. The Apostle John uses them interchangeably. Everywhere through the entire book of John and his letters, they're used interchangeably. He uses agape sometimes, references a love of the world. He's used phileo at times, talking about the love of God for us. You know, so don't get wrapped around the axle of this agape phileo thing that he was kind of diminishing, trying to, do you even love me this way? It's about the denials. That's what this passage is about. This passage is about, you denied me three times, I asked you three times. So we don't want to get too wrapped around the axle in this agape phileo thing. Again, the fish catch. The fire, do you love me? This is important. Peter denied Jesus publicly. I mean, this was to this was the folks. It wasn't just one of these things where he was sitting by himself and it's like, okay, I don't know Jesus. Okay, I don't know Jesus. Okay, I don't know Jesus. To the public, he denied Christ. If I was the other disciples... I probably wouldn't have followed Peter very far after that. So it was important that Peter be reinstated publicly, and he was. We know if you continue reading, I didn't go past 19, the disciple that Jesus loves was following behind him. He's, he's, he's like eavesdropping in on this conversation. The other disciples are there. So Peter publicly denied Christ, Christ publicly reinstated him to his position, and not only reinstated him, made his call even a little bit deeper. He wasn't just to gather people, he was to care for people. Called to fish as opposed to caring for the flock. What's this have to do with us? Have you ever done anything that made you feel like you were no longer capable of serving God? I think you probably have. I have. I've been serving Christ since the summer of 1987. 87. This is now 2023. I've done my fair share of things between 1987 and 2023 that would have, in my opinion, discredited me for ministry, discredited me for doing anything. For a perfect, righteous, holy God. People I have known who have felt the call of ministry have not gone into ministry because they have beat themselves up over something they had done. 
people sometimes will stop going to church because they had done something and they felt that they no longer were worthy to be there. That's a bunch of bull. There is nothing. If Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, one of, the, one of the three in the inner circle could deny Christ and him still reinstate him and call him to what he did, I, I guarantee you it doesn't top Peter. I guarantee you, let's up the ante even more. King David was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He was a cover-upper. <laughs> he did some horrible, horrible things after he stopped going to war like he was supposed to with his, his folks. Didn't have a real good track record before that sometimes. But if you can be an adulterer, a murderer, and a cover-upper, and guess what? He was still king. God still used him. God still cared for him. God still took care of David. When God told David through Samuel that your throne will last forever, and essentially I will set my own son on it, and it will always stand, God knew what David was going to do. But he loved him. When Jesus called Peter to be a fisher of men and to follow him, he knew what Peter was going to do, but he still said, follow me. I don't care what you've done. Don't care what you've been, where you've been. I don't care who you've done it with. You're not surprising God with anything you've ever done, but Jesus still chose to die for you. God had a call in your life, regardless of what that is, whether that's to be a prayer, whether that's to be a homemaker, whether that's to be a pastor. I don't care what God's plan was for your life. It doesn't change because of anything that you've done, because God's call and love for you is not conditional. There are no strings attached, and you can't do nothing to mess that up. You can't. You can't. Have you ever denied Christ yourself by the things you say or the things you do? Oh, sweet Jesus, we all do that. Trust me, I'm not, I'm not using his name in vain. Literally, sweet Jesus, I know we all do that. I would dare say that many of us on a daily basis deny Christ in some way. You know what? I've been fretting a lot for a while. All this stuff going on with my wife. All the stuff that's been... There's just been a lot of stuff out there. When I have been worrying to the level that I have worried, I have denied the sovereignty of God and His ability to change my situation. I have denied what God can do in my life. I have denied what God can do in the life of my wife and everyone around me. I've denied that. We were talking about in Sunday school, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. 
My God can rescue us. But even if he doesn't, I will not bow my knee. How often have we bowed our knees, given lordship of our life to our jobs, to our stuff, to our kids, to our grandkids, to anything other than the Lord himself? When we do that stuff, though, do we need to repent? Absolutely. When we need to say we're sorry, we need to say we're sorry. Even though it's forgiven, when we repent, there's a, two pieces to it. There's the I'm sorry part, which is an agreement between you and God that what you did was wrong. And then there's the turning part where you try not to do it again. So when we deny Christ by our words or our actions, we need to tell him we're sorry, and we need to try to turn from that thing. But I can assure you God's plan for you has not changed regardless of what you've done. It has not changed. You have not discredited yourself from the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't do it. He called you. You didn't call you. He knew what he called you to do. He knew what you were going to do, and he still called you to do it. You can't change that. You can't deliver yourselves out of the hand of God. What's his is his. Once you tell Jesus, I'm yours, there's no gift backs. There's no turning back. You're his. You belong to him. You've not messed up so badly that Jesus can't put you back on track. I'm going to end with this passage. Why is this important? Matthew 16, 18. This is after Jesus started calling Simon Peter. This was before the, this was before the, the, the denials. What did he say to Peter? Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you that you are Peter. You are the rock. You are Peter. It doesn't matter what you think you are. It matters what God says you are. He tells Peter, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. He knew. He knew that Peter was going to deny him. You don't think he knew that? But he said, you are the rock I'm going to build my church on, and hell will not prevail against it. Your call is determined by God and not yourself. And it doesn't matter what you've done to try to jack that up purposely or unintentionally. You can't do it. You can't do it. We're going to pray. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise hands or anything like that. Because this is something I think we all need to pray. This is all something we need to bring to the Lord. Every single one of us who are believers probably have some way that we need to be telling God we're sorry for what we've been doing. And if you're that person who thinks you've worked your way out of the grace of God and you've worked your way out of the calling of God, I need you to, through your prayer and your time with Christ, realize that's a lie. You're still called. He's still going to do what he planned to do with you. God is 
faithful to complete the work that he has started in you. It doesn't have to do with your faithfulness. You can't be good enough to get into heaven. You can't be faithful enough to be worthy of your call. It is a gift that God has given you. And nothing you can do can throw that back up in his face. Because he loves you and he's going to continue to work with you. If God's called you to do a thing, I don't know what that thing is. It's not too late. I don't even care how old you are. God's not bound by your age. God's not bound by your stuff. He's not bound by your, your garbage. He's not bound by your baggage. God is not limited by anything. Through God, all things are possible. Right. Folks, you're going to do impossible things because you serve an impossible God. He made natural laws. He doesn't even have to abide by those. We parted the Red Sea. We've been talking about that in Sunday school. Stop the Jordan from flowing. Made walls fall in Jericho. Created all of this through his speech. That's the kind of that's a kind of God that has no limits.